Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. It is a little after the hour. Good morning, everyone. Or if you're listening to podcasts, I guess, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is. Yes, uh, and uh, for those listening to the radio, happy Saturday morning. Happy weekend. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al, hanging out once again. Um, a lot of things to go through today, Mr. Goldfine. I think we got some, uh, we're going to highlight some mistakes people make. Yeah, I suppose a good way to learn is talking about other people's blow-ups, I suppose. Sure. Right? So we can learn from them so yeah. you don't make them yourself. Because yeah. a lot of times, unfortunately, some people will make the mistake and then come to our office and have us try to fix it. It's more challenging that way, but it's sure. it, it's not... I mean, we can fix it, but if you didn't make the mistake in the first place, that'd be even better, right? Yeah. So um, I want to dive right in because we got about um, 50 of them. No monologue, nothing? I got nothing, really. Yeah. <laughs> Volatile week, the market's flat for a year to date. You know what? Usually you come really prepared. I'm just sitting here for a whole segment. Raising interest to rates. Monologue that no. you've written. No. Yeah. Um, I got nothing today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's I, well, I think our listeners already knew that. Yeah, right. I know. I know. That's a common theme <laughs> it of our show. It is. And But I do have a bunch of email questions, Clopine, that I'm going to okay. get to. Um, some good ones. Okay. Some good email questions. Well, and uh, I've got a quiz. We'll, we'll test your knowledge on income taxes. Okay. I should easily pass that. You should. Who's you know, it by? Uh, AARP. Oh, without a doubt. You get, if it was like by the, the, the Journal of CPA. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the accountancy. The journal of Income Taxation. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I would, you um, wouldn't, wouldn't, might not do so well because we get into all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like I got, um, Boy, later in the show, if we have time, I got this kind of interesting. It's um, a couple's guide to retirement. Hmm. So some little things you might want to think about doing with your partner. Wow. How about that? <laughs> God, this is going to be a really good show. <laughs> really good show. Let's just talk about all these different mistakes that people are making, and we'll talk about Well, I've got, I've got, I do have a highlight. Uh, this is from wealthmanagement.com. There's rare good news on the retirement front. Finally, some good news. So we'll go over that. We already went through that last week. We did? Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to do it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What about Phil Mickelson? Yeah, nine hundred thousand bucks. Yeah, so a little he, insider trading. What he was hanging out with a, a gambler or a sports better. Yeah, Billy Walters. Apparently, yeah, yeah. That's such a great name for a gambler. A, a gambler, Billy. William William Billy Walters. Got hey, I wonder to, if Billy still listens to the show. <laughs> Remember him? Oh yeah, yeah. That was years ago. I think his son does. Right, his, the, the other yeah, Billy. The, 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 yeah, the <laughs> father would listen. Billy. Yeah. <laughs> They were both named Billy. Well, if you're listening, Billy. In the... Yeah. It's been a while since we've chatted. But... Yeah, it has been. It's yeah. been years. Yeah, you remember that uh, when we Bill and Billy came into our office? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> I think he had a recording of the radio show. He did. He re- no, this is, talk about this again. Mem- re- yeah, remember that? And then his son would be bored and Billy would be bored. And he'd say, Billy, Billy, listen up. Listen, this, this is good stuff. Pay attention. <laughs> Billy. You get that down? 
because uh, Bill was he was he was sight challenged. Yes. I guess older, a little problem seeing. So Billy had to take the notes. Down. <laughs> yeah, Billy, yes, you get that? You hear what Joe just said? You write that down. You write that down. Yes, Dad. Oh. <laughs> Some of the people we've met over the years. Oh, love them. Yep. So, all right, let me dive in because it, a couple of these mistakes um, they're easily avoidable, but I think sometimes people don't necessarily think think things through appropriately when they come up with their overall retirement strategy or they, they just miss a few things yeah right because when you take a look at retirement right you want to look at all right well here how much money do i have what is my social security benefit do i have pensions um you know and then they kind of take a look and do some simple math and say okay i think i'm okay right? i think for the most part hopefully people do that right but then you get another layer deeper Right. Then you look at, okay, well, what type of Social Security claiming strategies should you use? Uh, another is uh, taxation is huge right? when it comes to a tax efficiency, when it comes to the income that you're generating. And this is by Forbes. This was uh, one of the biggest mistakes, money mistakes retirees make. And the number one thing on their list was not having a tax efficient retirement distribution strategy. And I actually agree with them wholeheartedly because when you look at the taxation of your retirement income, if you can reduce that, um, there's some significant things that you can do. Um, join us. Um, I don't know if it's going to air tomorrow or maybe next week. Uh, Alan and I on our TV show, we talked all about taxes. It was a great show in regards to it. Got uh, I mean, I think that was the first time we actually got a got little technical. We we did. Usually it's very high level. Yeah. But I think w when you look at taxes in regards to the assets that you have, let's just kind of break it down. Al, um, let's start with the one twenty one exclusion. Okay. Yeah, and that's where if you have a your principal residence and you've you've lived in it two out of the last five years, you can sell it and you can exclude up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars of gain if you're single or five hundred thousand dollars if you're married. And Joe, we talked about this on our show, uh, which is going to be coming up. That uh, a lot of people are still have the impression we're under the old rule, which changed. Gosh, I think even in fifteen the, years ago, yeah, twenty years ago maybe. The old rule was this: once in a lifetime exclusion, you sell your principal residence. The first hundred twenty-five thousand dollars of gain is excluded. So any other gain over and above that, you have to pay taxes on. Well, now we have this much more generous rule. So if you, as long as you live in a home for two years out of the last five. Married couple gets a $500,000 exclusion. Two years later, you can do the same thing all over again with your principal residence. And, of course, it was such a generous rule that real estate investors were thinking, oh, this is great. I'm going to move into my rental, right. live there two years, get the full exclusion, wait another two years, live in another rental, sell it. And then the IRS came up with this new rule in 2009. They said starting in 2009, you have to allocate the number of rental years versus the residence years. So you don't necessarily get the full exclusion. In yeah, those you get cases. a partial exclusion. You get a partial at least. Yeah. yeah. You still get a little bit of sure, it. Sure, sure. Uh, but that was the strategy. It was right. like, and, and if you look 2009, it's funny when they came out in 2009 because the market's crashed in 2008. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there might not have been a lot of equity well, you know, <laughs> remaining. Um, yeah, but well, that, prior that, to that. Yeah, that had been in the works for a while because sure. Iris had come right out and said, we don't like this, the, the way the, the real estate investors, what they're doing. Yeah, because, I mean, hey, I have this rental. I can move right in. But how about if I lived in the house? Because we have clients that, I mean, I think they took over their block. 
Right. Right. They lived in their home and then they're like, all right, well, they lived there for five years and then they bought their neighbor's house. Sure. And they're like, yeah, let's live there. So they yeah. lived in their neighbor's house and they bought this tr- the house across <laughs> the street. And then they were just th- so yeah. they lived in these houses as their primary residence for a few years sure. before they converted them to a rental prior to uh, yeah. 2009. Yeah. And that's what's interesting, Joe, is if you if when you buy a home, it's a principal residence first. Then you convert it to a rental. You don't have to do this allocation. All you have to do is live in it two out of the last five years to qualify for the full exclusion. But if you bought it as a rental first and converted it to a residence, that's where you've got to do this this uh, allocation. Then people are doing this, is that, all right, well, here, how about if I have... Because if, if I have a loss on my primary residence, right. I can't take the loss on my tax return. That's it's right. It's your primary, right? It's a personal use asset, so yeah. you can't take a loss on a personal use asset. Yeah, and we saw this a lot in 2008, 2009, 2010. People had losses on their on their principal residence, couldn't take them. Now you can take a loss on a rental, interestingly enough. And so people were trying to convert their principal residence to a rental so they could take the loss. Well, the IRS has already figured that one out. They said, you know what? Whatever loss that you had during the, the time it was a principal residence, you don't get to deduct that. It's only the extra loss that you got after it was converted. Right. So you have to understand, because here in Southern California, uh, property values are quite high, and the equity has come back, uh, hopefully, for a lot of you. And so you might want to be selling that, downsizing. And if you can get some of that asset back to you tax-free, uh, that's ideal. Then you can reposition those dollars uh, to, you know, to, to create that retirement income. All right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine hanging out, talking about some mistakes that people are making. And one of them is not necessarily taking a look at their home when they sell it and understanding the tax law that saying, hey, you know what, maybe I sell this, move downsize, and I can then sell that at a tax-free gain, which yeah, is and pretty that's, cool. Yeah, that's huge because if, if without this exclusion rule, the Section 121 exclusion, then if you were to sell your principal residence, even to move down to try to buy a less expensive home or a smaller home or something like that, you'd have to pay all this tax. So IRS says, you know what? If you, as long as you lived in your home and and own you know own it and occupied it for two out of the last five years, you get a two hundred fifty thousand dollars exclusion, single five hundred thousand exclusion, married. So what that means is, let's say you bought the home for five hundred thousand and you sell it for a million and you're married. So that's a five hundred thousand dollar gain. You sold it for a million, you bought it for five hundred thousand. You would normally have to pay taxes on a $500,000 gain. The IRS says, you know what? The first 500000 of gain, married couple, we're going we're gonna to forgive it. We're going to excuse it. It's going to be excluded. You don't have to pay tax on it. So for a lot of folks, especially in, in Southern California, where their home is maybe their biggest asset, and maybe they get to retirement, it's a two-story, they want a one-story, or maybe they, it's more house than they want to take care right. of. Maybe they go to a, a townhome or something. Right, like or maybe they want to move to another state or city to be closer to their kids and grandkids, whatever, right? So the IRS gives you this, this exclusion where you can sell properties and and have quite a bit of the gain be excluded. And so all that money comes to you tax-free. And if you've ever listened to our show before, we like tax-free income. And that's one of the biggest uh, opportunities available. Another is to take a look then. All right, so we, we covered the primary residence. Now you got to take a look at your other liquid assets. So you have to look at, all right, well, here, if I want a tax-efficient retirement income, yeah. so how do I go about doing that? Well, what the heck does tax-efficient mean in the first place? Well, if all of your money's in a retirement account, 401k, IRAs, 403bs, and the, and, and the like, or such like plans, um, 
all of that is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates, the highest sure. of rates, right? And so you want to prioritize where you're going to be pulling your money from in retirement, right? Because if you're just pulling from your retirement account, right, that's all going to be taxed. And so here's the fallacy, in my opinion, is that people will be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. But when you pull money out of your 401k plan, it's taxed just like your paycheck. You don't pay FICA tax. So yes, you will be in a lower tax bracket from that perspective. But from a federal and state um, income tax rate, we're finding that a lot of you are falling in the same tax bracket because what you're trying to do is replace your paycheck. So if I'm replacing my paycheck and some of you are spending a lot more money in retirement than you were when you were working because you have what? A lot more time on your hands. You might want to travel, spoil the grandkids, do different things. So if all of the money is in a retirement account, you're replacing your paycheck, maybe a little bit more. Well, it's taxed just like your paycheck. So in all likelihood, a lot of you might be in that same tax bracket. And if tax rates go up, what's going to happen to the amount of money that you have? Potentially more of that's going to go to tax. So that's why we look at, hey, is there ways that you can reduce the amount of taxation when it comes to creating the income that you need? Because when do you need the money the most is when you're in retirement, right? Most of you probably don't want to go back to work. Or if you did want to go back to work, we're finding it's very, very difficult for people in their 60s and 70s to find a job. Yeah, that, that pays anything. That pays, Yeah, right? I mean, you can volunteer, certainly. And and some of you, if you have specialized knowledge, you can you, you can work as a consultant. Or there's ways to make money. But for many of you, it's difficult. I mean, there is this thing called age discrimination, and it really is real. It's out there. If you've ever been in, let's, let's say, your 60s, you got let go of a job and you try to find another position. I mean, some of you, no problem. But a lot of you, it's like, wow, they're, they're all hiring 20 and 30-year-olds and you know what, they're going to probably be with the company longer. They probably won't have to pay them as much and any number of things. So a few things here is that, again, the, the, the basis is if you can reduce the tax that you're paying, that means your money's going to stretch further. Right? You don't need as much money because you're giving less to Uncle Sam. A couple of strategies that you have to start looking at combining is that another big mistake that you make is that a lot of you are still taking Social Security maybe too early. And I get this. I totally understand why you do it. I've been doing this close to 20 years is that I'm in helping people create retirement income. And so once you retire, right, you're giving up that paycheck to create your own retirement income if you don't have a pension, a large pension. And so it's just in human nature to say, man, I don't want to dip so much into my assets that give me some form of fixed income. So if I retire at 62, I'm taking my social security. I don't care because I know I'm going to get a reduction in benefit, but I want that income, right? Sure. And so there's kind of that safety valve, that safety net emotionally that we feel once we, once people retire, that they have some level of fixed income. All right. I get that. But if you have a strategy in place, if you're confident in the strategy, if you understand how your money works, I think some of that will be removed. And by combining tax planning with your social security strategy is key because if you can push out your social security a little bit longer and maybe you want to take a little bit more from your 401k plans and bear with me here. Why do you want to do that? Well, your 401k plan is going to be taxed at ordinary income, right? Your social security at worst is only going to be taxed up to 85%, right? 
Plus, the state of California doesn't tax the Social Security benefit. So if I can push that out a little bit further, right, to get that increase in overall benefit, because once you hit full retirement age 66 or anywhere between 66 and 67, you get an 8% delayed retirement credit. So that 8% delayed retirement credit is going to compound. Plus, you get the COLA if Social Security gives us a COLA on top of that. So by the time you reach 68, 69, or 70, you're going to have a significantly larger benefit that's going to be guaranteed for you for the rest of your life. Also, only 85% of that benefit at most is going to be taxed to you, plus the state of California is not going to tax it. So it might make sense to front load the 401k distributions, or even better yet, let's say you sell your house, you get the $500,000 exclusion if you're married, that's tax-free, you downsize, buy something a little bit um, cheaper, now you have money outside of retirement accounts that are sitting in a brokerage account, you spend those dollars down, you take your 401k and start converting it into a Roth IRA, push out your Social Security, then by the time you're age 70, you have this big chunk of money sitting in a Roth, plus a lot higher Social Security benefit, now you can really maximize the amount of money that you're, you're, you're taking from a form of retirement income. Wow, I would that was a lot of good information, Joe, and I'll recap because I, I think some of our listeners that are on podcast will want to rerun this segment. This was actually I doubt that. Actually, highly, well, highly I'll, doubt, I'll, doubt I'll, that. I'll boil it down to thirty seconds. But anyway, so what we're saying? You got about eight. I know what we're. Well, now I got five. <laughs> well, but, let's go back to the next segment. All right. We'll, well, because so, I mean, the I'll, problem is, is that is that you have to look forward, Al. You have to look forward. Well, and and Joe, the the problem is, I, I honestly, I would say most people don't understand that they have any kind of control over their taxes. They just assume whatever they are, they are. I gotta gotta pay them. I go to my accountant. He says, "Here's or she. Here's the number." So I pay it. And I, I, what, what can you do? I mean, it is what it is. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine, spending a few hours with you on this Saturday morning here in Southern California. Or uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, welcome, welcome. Um, go to iTunes. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, you got to go to iTunes and, and subscribe. Check us out. Maybe write something. Say Big Al is great. Anderson, he, <laughs> write something he, good. He stinks. I don't think we've had a review in a while, have we? I don't know. I haven't checked it. Yeah, actually, I haven't either. So, no, because that last one just scarred me for life. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to. Joe what? and Al were the best. Now they're awful. <laughs> they sold, sold out. themselves to the, the <laughs> devil. I was like whatever. <laughs> All right, we're talking mistakes. Yes, we are. Few mistakes that you're making with your money. Um, here's another one. This is interesting. It's focusing on returns and not the real issue, Al. Interesting. How to turn retirement assets into income. Well, we talked a little bit about that, but I think that's the focus, right? When you accumulate, that's one thing. When you take distributions, it's another thing. So you have to figure out, how do I mitigate my risk? How do I get at least a predictable income? You know, not a guaranteed income. A guaranteed income would be either through your Social Security, your pensions, or if you wanted to, um, to, to purchase an annuity, uh, those would give you guaranteed incomes. Al and I believe that there's probably a better way to do it than purchasing an annuity. Um, you could purchase like an immediate annuity, you know, go to an insurance company, give the insurance agent your money, and they will immediately give you an income stream for life. Right. Um, you want to make sure that you do the math there to see if it is, is, is worth it for you. If you say, I don't care what the internal rate of return is, if, if you know, here, I'm going to give them a couple hundred thousand dollars to get a certain thousand dollar um, um, pension or quote unquote annuitized income. Sure, sure. 
and you say, you know what, the insurance company wins, but I don't have to worry about the markets. Okay, well, then maybe that might be for you. Yeah, particularly if you feel like you've got longevity. Uh, in, in other words, it, financially, you'll win if you're going to live a long time. If you're not going to live a long time, insurance company is going to win. And, and, of course, a lot of these annuities, they get a bad rap, Joe, because a lot of them are just laced with internal fees. Or, uh, I mean, yeah, and misguidance yeah, and things ex- like that. Exactly. But an immediate annuity is fairly clean. I, I agree. And so I guess my point is not all annuities are awful. Right. In, in fact, I would honestly say there's cases... If you, like for some people, maybe they think they're going to live a long life, and so they're concerned about running out of money, right? So, and they they may not even have quite enough, and so maybe you take some of your nest egg and you buy an immediate annuity, and you can get low-cost ones that will return the most possible to you, and that way they'll keep paying and paying and paying as long as you're alive. So it's, it's kind of, it's the same idea as Social Security, right? <laughs> Which is we encourage you guys, if you can, wait all the way to age 70 to start collecting your benefits because that's like, uh, that's like an, an immediate right. annuity. It's, it's longevity insurance. Correct. And so, I mean, in other words, it, ke- it keeps paying while you're alive. And so, it, for I, I, you know, I think in, in many cases it can be good. But but the problem is people hear the word annuity, and if if you're educated, you think I I don't want to do an annuity because they're so bad. Well, they're not all bad, but I'd say the majority are pretty are not necessarily the best. On, on the other hand, it's. Uh, you know, for some of you that don't know that there are some very poor annuities and then you get sold these products and then there, that's a whole other issue there too. And, right. and, I, and I think you and I, Joe, both kind of agree with the same thing. It's like, well, one thing about a lot of annuities, why not just take the insurance company out of the middleman because they're making a nice profit and just do it yourself. Come up with a globally diversified portfolio and create an income stream yourself. That's what they're doing. Right. Why don't you do it with that and then cut their profit out? Sure. And you just kind of take a look at the risk that you're taking in your overall portfolio and saying, all right, well, here, this is where I'm. This is how I'm going to structure given my income needs. Right, but the, unfortunately, I think is that we we don't take enough time to do the upfront planning. Sure. In full disclosure, our firm, Pure Financial Advisors, we don't sell any products. There's never a commission generated to our firm. Um, if you wanted to purchase an annuity, we could re- refer you to um, an insurance agent or a, a brokerage. But we probably, I mean, we'd probably steer you maybe into doing it yourself in a sense sure. of of. Um, uh, a better way to do it. But anyway, another thing is being too conservative with your investments. Yes, we, we do see that a lot. And, and Joe, this there's kind of this rule of thumb. People think it's like, well, I'm going to retire, so I can't really afford to take any risk in my portfolio because I can't really make it back. And so, so that thought, I don't disagree with that thought, but you can take it way too far. Because, I mean, if you just look at uh, the stats, the life expectancy stats for a couple age 65, well, the, the male is expected to live to about 84, the female 89. But if you put two lives together, there's a 50% chance that one of you is going to live to age 92. Yeah, and the, you, you have to look at inflation here because, all right, client retired 20 years ago, $50,000 fixed income, right? Guaranteed fixed income, 50 grand. However, that $50,000 didn't um, um, keep pace with inflation. Yeah, right. In other words, it can't buy the same stuff that it used to buy. 20 years ago, 50000 bucks was a lot of money. Sure. But now, 20 years later into retirement, guess what? He's spending 3000 a month on prescription drugs yeah, and medicine. Sure, sure. So most of that fixed income now is going into 
right, uh, medicine versus having a growth rate where he would still have some extra capital, right? right? Because hey, I want to be very safe with this money. Right. Well, in that situation, it was just a fixed um, uh, pension payment. Sure, sure. But it's the same thought process to look at inflation. If I, hey, I feel good for the next, you know, I'm retiring next year. I'm gonna just keep all my money very, very safe because I don't trust the markets. I hate stocks. I lost my, you know, um, assets in 2008. Right. I don't any, want anything to do with it. And I understand that mentality. However, you're losing money safely here. Right, because inflation and taxes will just erode the purchasing power. So it's that fine line again. It's like, all right, you want to protect your principal, but you also have to protect your purchasing power. Right, it's both. Right. right. Yeah, because I mean that's a good good point. So if you have put all your money in a savings account, it's a guaranteed loss because the savings accounts they don't the interest rates they pay are not they don't keep up with inflation. So every single year you're poorer. In other words, you you can't buy as much stuff as you did or services or whatever the year before. Taking advice from friends and family on how to invest. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. And, well, and, and you know what? Sometimes we have our neighbors that they like to boast about their, oh, yeah, yeah, their yeah. stocks. And I, I was, well, you'd look at your neighbor. Wow, you got a really nice car. got a really nice house. They must be successful. Yeah, you go, how'd you do it? Well, I, I got in early on Apple, right? So they And I don't doubt that. I mean, people probably are saying the truth. Part of the truth, right? <laughs> well, yeah, they, they don't talk about the losers. The other part is they, they bought WorldCom and all these other stocks Then they that went bankrupt. Yeah, but if you're going to take advice from your neighbors, your friends, your colleagues, your you know water cooler, the Uber driver, right? <laughs> you, you have to ask more questions because a strategy that works for that individual might be the worst strategy for you. That's very true. Because we, uh, Al and I, we talk about you know tax planning strategies often on this program. And so we'll, we'll talk about Roth IRA conversions, um, tax loss harvesting, asset location strategies, maybe a, a, a tax exempt trust. And then they hear, oh, that sounds really good. I'll take one of those, I'll but, take one but, of those. Yeah, but it would blow that person up if they did that strategy. <laughs> so you can't do like water cooler mentality well, when yeah. you're dealing with your finances. Like medicine, I mean, what saves one person kills another, and and you have to know what's going to be the right, best right, for you. Right. So you have to look at okay, well, what is the appropriate investment strategy? Well, you got to figure out well, first of all, how much income is demanded from the overall portfolio. Sure. Right. Yeah. What's your life expectancy? Do you, do you are you in good health or are you in poor health? What is your other fixed income sources? What's your tax bracket? Right. Do you have all your money in a retirement account or do you have all your money outside of a retirement account? Because if you're investing, you want to invest differently inside your retirement account versus outside of your retirement account because of the tax tools and techniques that you can use to reduce the overall taxability of the income if you do it right. Well, Joe, and that's a, a lot of people focus so much on rates of return, which I'm not saying you, you do need to understand how you're investing and you want to invest properly for your needs and your goals. But they don't really think about taxes. And the truth is taxes don't stop when your paycheck does. When you start tapping your retirement nest egg, it comes with all sorts of new rules and opportunities and ways to take a lot of money from you because the IRS is charging you. They're, in other words, they're collecting their tax money on your IRA 401k. So uh, unless you're tapping into a Roth IRA. And for those that listen to the show maybe the first time, if you haven't thought about a Roth IRA recently, you got to start thinking about it because tax rates may be going up here. All right, we got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll be back in just a second. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Go to our website if you'd like at purefinancial.com, purefinancial.com. Got a lot more information about us, our firm. Uh, we have a learning center there. We have 300 
some odd videos um, and more to come. Um, we're going to start in launching some different really? types of videos. We've got some in the vault that haven't come out yet? Um, no, we're going to start production. Oh, start new production. New got production it. on some new stuff. I like it. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of great – we got white papers, whatever. I mean, if you want information on financial planning, go to the website, purefinancial.com. Uh, good place to start. Yes. Right? Yep. We're talking about some mistakes that people are making, that smart people make in their overall retirement. And a couple more here, Al, and then we can kind of switch gears. Yeah. But supporting your adult children is one of them, and being over-invested in your house is another. Yeah. we. You know what? In Southern California, we see both of those frequently, I would say. You know, we, we, we talked about some statistics last week about uh, parents assuming, you know, their kids' student loans. Sure. And we're seeing this more and more. It's like, okay, well, here, I'm paying $3,000 a month on my kids' student loans. Right. I'm just trying to get these things paid off as fast as I possibly can, and then I'm going to go back and start saving for retirement. Right, and then you, you, you kind of do the math, and, well, wait a minute. That looks like it's going to take about 14 years to pay off. Right. Yeah, that's about right. That's my calculation. So there, therefore, 14 years of not saving for your own retirement? In the most critical time where you should be saving yeah, for your retirement? Yeah, when you're making the highest income, hopefully, you know, in your, in your late 40s, 50s, early 60s. Yeah, that uh, jeopardizes people's retirement. And that's a big problem right now, the baby boomers, because the baby boomers, and I'm one of them, we kind of have this thing where we, we want to make our kids' lives better than ours. And a lot of us baby boomers, myself included, there wasn't a lot of money growing up. I mean, I did my own chores, and I, I earned enough money to buy a couple baseball cards. and, and You that, just you know. showed your age. <laughs> Chores? Chores. Baseball cards. Well, you have baseball cards. I, I have a thousand baseball cards. <laughs> and how cards. many chores did you do? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't call them chores. Did you get your chores done? That sounds like the Brady Bunch or something. It does. Well, I'm of that generation. What was your chore? I, I, uh, did you have to mow the lawn? I did have to mow the lawn. I had to, let's see, I had to set the dinner table, unload the dishwasher. I had a full list. My yeah. dad was like just totally <laughs> like crazy military. So, was, so it wasn't chores for you. It was duties? I, it was like, yes, it was a job. <laughs> I, it was a hard job being a kid. So no, the, uh, there was a clipboard and there was 16 items. Yeah. Right? So 16? You, you either yeah. had kitchen duty yeah. right, or you had living room duty. Or you had like outside duty. I don't yeah. know. My brother and I, we would have to flip flop. And my sister was a lot younger, she, so yeah. she just had to, you know, pick up her toys or something stupid. Right? <laughs> and so my brother would always say, "Hey, you should do living room duty, vacuum." Yeah, you know, right. she's got a four year old vacuuming. You know? right. that, that, that didn't work out very well. <laughs> but yeah, full list, and then we had to check off the list. Oh, you checked it off. Yeah, to wow. check it off, and then the the last um, item on the list. So depending on if you had kitchen duty or if you had living room duty, there were certain areas of the house where you had to stand. And then the last thing was stand by this and admire your work. <laughs> right? Really? And so, yeah. So okay. that, so then, that all right, so here you got all this stuff done. Now yes. take a step back and look, hey, well, look at this great job I did. Yeah, okay. So sometimes I wouldn't check that. Oh, the old man. He'd be <laughs> like, hey, son, come here. Let's stand here. What? You're not admiring this? I think you did a wonderful job. I think you should check the box. Check the box, yeah. Well. You know, we, we did have, uh, so our chores, because I don't know what else to call them, was uh, there was four kids in my family, and so it was a quadrant. So I was in one quadrant, you know, probably the upper left, because I was the oldest kid. And so you just had your list, one, two, three, four, five, but they were ongoing, so you never checked it, because otherwise 
I mean, it, it was just a printed list. So, but our monitoring was my mom. And she a, came in with a white glove? Yeah. If you <laughs> you didn't do your job, you heard about it from mom. Yeah. Yep. And I, um, I mean, I, I made a few mistakes, but it was it, it, my younger brothers and sister made more than me because they were younger. So it was pretty easy for me to see, all right, I don't really want to have that happen to me. So uh, watching my mom getting after my brothers and sister. So I tried to do a good job. I'm sure you did wonderful, Al. <laughs> your ADD. I was, I, was a, I was a great influence for my brothers yes, and sisters. Was, everything was all nice and neat. <laughs> uh, being over-invested in your house, you know, I understand that, but it's really tough here in Southern well, Cal, right? Is. Because if you want to stay in San Diego, Los Angeles, Irvine, um, you, you know, to have a decent house, it's a half a million bucks. Right, but but here, Joe, here's here's the thing, though. I mean, particularly in Los Angeles, I mean, we see people that make a good income and they spend almost every penny and they've saved half a million bucks or whatever. Good for you. And they've got a $3 million house paid off. And to have any kind of semblance, semblance of their old lifestyle, they're going to have to sell their home. Right. But you talk to them about that. Oh, no, never. No, I'm never selling the home. It's like, wow, well, I, you're going to probably, I, I guess, keep working until Just the you, maintenance on the thing is right, going to cost just, you. Just that just alone. Your, your, right? your retirement savings. <laughs> uh, worrying, let's see, not creating an estate plan. Yeah, we talked about that a few few weeks ago. Prince. Yes. You know, I'm from Minnesota. Prince lived like just a, a mile and a half from my house. Did he know you by name? No. No? No. I wish. Okay. But no. Well, yeah. No, I loved Prince. Yes. Um, but, you know, I was... Uh, you, were, I, you were little. I was a lot younger, you know? <laughs> but he was 57. I'm 40. That's 17. He's your age. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, not having a will. The guy's $300 million. Right. No, nothing. Yeah. So, Get a simple will at least. Powers yeah. of attorney. Things yes. of that nature that's going to help you. Freak me out. My aunt. Love her to bits. Right? Uh, lives in Tucson. Yes. And... Um, so she called me, and I help manage um, our firm manages her money, and so she's like, "Hey, I'm moving. I need some money, right?" And so I said, "Okay, sounds good." And she's like, um, "I forget the dollar figure, um, thirty thousand bucks, something like that." Okay. So I took some from her non-qualified account, and the other I just satisfied with her required distribution. Sure. Right? So she got two checks. Okay. Right? So then she's she's like, "Hey, can can you call me when you get a second?" And I'm like, oh, sure, yeah. So I give her a call, and she's like, hey, um, I got these checks. Can you tell me why? And I'm like, oh, my God, I think my aunt has dementia. <laughs> what's right? this, yeah, what's she's this, like, what can you tell thing? me why we got the, uh, like, why we have these checks like this? And I was like, why do we have these checks like this? I go, because you called, you asked me for the money. And she's like, well, no, of course, but why did I get two checks? And I'm like, oh, thank God. I go, okay, <laughs> no, one was a requ- yeah, no, one's your required distribution. The other one just came from your um, you know, personal account. Got it. And so in the well, conversation. That, that would be confusing. Right, well, yeah, but she's like, well, why did you send me the money? And I'm like, because you asked me. Like, well, hey, thank you so much for this money, but why did you send it? Because, right? It kind of it scared me. Anyway, so I said, hey, do you have a power of attorney? You right. Know, because um, my uncle passed away. Sure. And so just making sure, because it kind of freaked me out, I was like, do you have a power of attorney? Yes. All right. So then we talked a little bit about estate planning, just simple things like that, right? right? Because if you got a lot of money in retirement accounts, right, I'm, I'm, I'm her nephew. I can't say, all right, well, here, she needs to pay these bills. Let's take money out of No. You need a power of attorney to do that because in that retirement account, it's separate property, sure. right? So even your spouse, right, you're in a coma. It's like, okay, well, here, I need to get money out of my spouse's 
401k plan. Yeah, to pay for the mortgage. Right, right. right. Or so whatever. There's a um, you know, a disability. Right. So one spouse can't necessarily act or incapacitated. Well, you can't have access to the money without a working financial power of attorney. It's such a big deal just to get simple things in place when it comes to your overall estate. Powers of attorney will cost you a couple hundred bucks. A will will cost you a couple hundred bucks. If you do a full-blown estate plan, what, it costs you $3,000, $4,000? Yeah. Yeah, well worth it. Probably less than that even. You know, so you know, it depends on how many uh, different things that you want sure. or how complex that you want that trust to be. All right, got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth.